This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, back in the mix, back at the home studio. Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole. Not Damon Cotton. Got my man, Ari. Ari's behind the wheels of steel today. We got a little cross-promotion, cross-training type thing going on around here. Raider Nation Radio meets ESPN Las Vegas, and we're kind of collaborating. So Demon Cotton, he's rolling with Cofield and Company a little bit later on this afternoon on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. And we got my man Ari in the building today. And Ari, I got to have to go ahead and introduce you to Raider Nation, man. Welcome to the Raider Nation. What's up, everyone? Glad to be here. Glad to crack a mic for a while. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that cheap shot. Ari comes already. out with a cheap shot I'm already. Boy, he's trying to get loose. Well, Ari's going to be rocking with us. He's, matter of fact, he's going to be rocking with us all week long, so we definitely welcome him in here to the show. And uh, we got a lot to get to on today's show. Very excited about... Well, being able to be here and talk some uh, Raiders football with you and, of course, uh, talk a little bit of other stuff, including the NBA Finals. Coming up on the show today, the guest that we have from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, our normal Monday guest, Ed Graney. He's also part of the Las Vegas Review Journal, does a fantastic job with both. He'll join us at 2.30 as today and tomorrow are the final two days of OTAs, and then everything is shut down till mid-July. And mid-July is when training camp opens up for the Silver and Black, so uh, after tomorrow... There really won't be any kind of activities. Of course, we'll have plenty to talk about every day, but there's not really any activities to talk about. And I'm not too sure. I'm hearing rumblings that we'll probably be at the facility tomorrow, but those are just rumblings. (laughs) That's just what I'm hearing. I have not got official word yet, so I do not know. But I'm thinking that at some capacity, we'll be at the facility tomorrow for the final days of OTAs. And look, don't expect all the players to be out of there uh, because I do know that Hunter Renfro, as soon as he signed his contract extension on Friday, he was out of here. He didn't even get a chance to talk to the media. Uh, he, he released a statement, and that was it. You know, the Raiders released a statement, and he was on the first thing smoking in South Carolina. So Hunter Renfro won't be out there tomorrow. He's not out there today. Uh, I don't know who's going to be out there, but it will be the final uh, OTA session, and then they'll shut it down till, like I said, July, around July 19th or so is when training camp opens up. And so then we'll be out there, and we'll kind of adjust our schedule, we'll be out there each and every day and Sometimes we'll do the show from the facility. Sometimes I'll have to do the show from the house. Sometimes I'll be here in the studio. So it's just what it is, man. But if you look at it, if you look at the date, it's June 13th. I mean, literally, training camp's in a month, right? I mean, in a month. I mean, that's that's pretty fast. I feel like the Super Bowl just got wrapped up. The draft just was here. It came and went, you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And this cycle just doesn't end. So, you know, we got about a month of downtime at most. And then, boom. We'll be ready for uh, some football activities, and the roster will be being put together by the new regime uh, led by Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly. So at 2.30, Ed Graney at 3 o'clock, we'll have cover three NFL news and notes. Just kind of go scatter shoot, talk about what Tyreek Hill had to say about Patrick Mahomes and his new quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa. Got a lot of thoughts on that, plus other things that are going on, including Lamar Jackson showed up to mandatory minicamp. Like, just think about that sentence right there. Lamar Jackson showed up to mandatory minicamp. Well, duh, it's mandatory minicamp. Why wouldn't he show up? Of course he wants to be there. He missed OTAs, Q. He missed OTAs. Yeah, they were voluntary. 
the man ain't going to miss out on no money. You know, now I know he's working on a contract or the Baltimore Ravens are working on a contract for him. He's not really in a big hurry to sign his contract, which I think is kind of silly, but that's a whole nother conversation. But we'll go over some news and notes around the NFL. We'll do that coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, I'm so excited about this conversation we'll have. Chris Plank, he's from the Sooner Radio Network up in Oklahoma. Uh, he does play-by-play for Oklahoma Sooners softball, who just won another national championship. The, the baseball team is in the College World Series, and I've, I've, I've been saying it for a long time to anybody who will listen. I'm a big baseball fan. And not one that, like, I'm going to sit here and talk about baseball all day, every day. I'm not going to do that. But my relaxing, when most people just kind of chill and whatever, my relaxing is sitting back watching a baseball game. And that, that's kind of like my, my downtime. And so uh, being able to observe the College World Series over the weekend, especially with no NBA Finals uh, after I was stressed out Friday night, huh, man, I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. We went out to dinner. Me and the wife and the daughter, we all went out to dinner on Friday night, and the wife's like, oh, we can't go. The NBA Finals are on. I was like, man, as long as we go somewhere where the game is on, we can do it. So we did. We went over to a spot over in the district in Henderson, and we're watching the game, and I'm trying to eat, and she's trying to talk to me. And I'm telling you, when the finals are on or something really important like that, you might as well not even talk to me. She's trying to talk to me, and I'm, oh, yeah, huh? What? Huh? What? Huh? What? Oh, Steph just hit a three. You know what I mean? Like, don't even talk to me right now. You know, and no offense to her or anyone else I was trying to talk to me. It was the NBA Finals. So after, uh, after the Warriors won it and tied up the series, I was like, man, I need a round of shots. I'm stressed out. And the wife's like, I don't want it. I was like, I wasn't talking about for you. <laughs> I was talking about for me. I'm stressed out. I need a round of shots. So there it was. But the Warriors tied everything up at two Friday nights, so that was good. But with that being said, there was no NBA over the weekend. So I watched a lot of the College World Series, was able to watch a lot of uh, uh, good baseball. And, man, to see – Tennessee dropped to Notre Dame. Tennessee was the number one seed in the country. Number one ranked team in the country. Just a fantastic college baseball team. They lost to Notre Dame. So anyway, Chris Plank is a good friend of mine, right? Really good friend. He's a big-time Raider fan. The first time I met him in person, we had always communicated either through Twitter or whatever. First time I met him in person, I was at Baylor, and I was doing PA for Baylor softball, and he was calling the Oklahoma side of things. And so he saw me. He was like, Q. Chris Plank, big Raider fan. I was like, oh, that's what's up. He's like, I listen to your podcast. So anyway, we're going back and forth, right? And Beth Moens was calling the game for ESPN. And she obviously has done Raider play-by-play for preseason for a very long time. So it was like Chris Plank, big Raider fan. Q, big Raider fan. Does a Raider podcast. Raider Nation Radio. And then Beth Moens, the voice of the Raiders in the preseason. So it was like Raider, Raider, Raider in the middle of Central Texas. It was pretty stinking funny. But uh, Chris is a good dude. So he's going to join us at 3.30 to talk all things Raiders. And then at 4.30... Michael Lee from the Washington Post, he's going to join the show to talk all things NBA Finals Game 5, another night that I'm going to be stressed out. And I have a little bit of a problem, Ari, and maybe you can help me with this before we get into the teeth of the show. I live very close to the bosses that are higher than me, right? (laughs) Everyone has a boss, right? Everyone has a boss. Know it. So I live very close to one of our bosses. I'm supposed to have a meeting with said bosses a little bit later on this evening, And it was set for 7 o'clock, and I was like, yeah, no problem. 7 o'clock, you know, the sun will go down, everything will be good. The game comes on at 6. The game's coming on at 6. You have a job to do. Yeah, I I have a job to do. (laughs) Get out of the the meeting so I can watch the game. No, I'm saying, yeah, the game is your job to do, I feel. I agree. He's going to have to wait. I agree. Bosses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, easy for you to say. Yes. Like I said, I live near the bosses, but yeah, so that's one of my one of my issues. But we'll talk to Michael Lee for the Washington Post. We'll talk all things NBA game finals tonight, uh, game five of the finals tonight, uh, with it being in San Francisco at the Chase Center. And I challenge, 
I challenge everybody at the Chase Center, man. I challenge them to act like Oracle. Act like they're in Roracle because, man, there's too much chilling and relaxing and enjoying the sights and, oh, this is fun. No, man, you got to bring it. You got to bring that heat. You got to act like you back in Oakland, California, and you're just yelling and screaming. And, you know, Raider Nation says it all the time. They want to see that, that, that passion screaming through Allegiant Stadium. Well, Chase Center, I'm challenging you to step your game up tonight. The Warriors need you. Yes, I'm definitely going for the Warriors in this series. Yes, I have no problem saying that. I've been doing national radio all weekend long, and I keep telling everyone, hey, man, I'm a Warrior fan. I will be the first to tell you. And Bobby, who just, just left out of here with Harry Ruiz after they were uh, knocking out the JT The Brick Show, he, uh, he told me right before game one, Boston in six. I was like, damn. Damn, Bobby, why are you going to do me like that? I'm going to tell Bobby's boss. <laughs> so, man, yeah, it's, it's, this is a tough series, man. This is a stressful, stressful series. So looking forward to game five, but we'll talk to Michael Lee from the Washington Post. We'll do that at 430. So we got a lot to get to. Of course, Raider Nation, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show. 702-365-9200 in the Salmon Ash text line is always wide open like some old school TV antennas. 69187 keyword R&R. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now, I want to get into this, and Ari actually brought it to my attention. I had a subject that I was going to bring to the table to start the show off with, and then Ari sent me a couple subjects, so credit to Ari for this. Uh, And Pro Football Focus is not the end-all, be-all for me. It's just not, but for me, it's a, it's a point of reference, right? It's, it, it gives you a good idea. I'm not saying that they're spot on with everything that they put out there, all their numbers. You can, I always say with numbers, you can always make numbers fit the narrative that you want. You really can. I mean, and you learn that in sales. You know, if, if, if you try to sell something for a certain price, you can make it make sense. Or you, or you don't. I mean, that's, that's your option. Pro Football Focus is all about the numbers. And so this uh, piece of article, this uh, piece of information that Ari sent my way earlier today was pretty informative because I think Raider Nation, everyone, including myself, is pretty excited about the opportunity that the Raiders have next season as far as their offense goes, as far as them having a three-headed monster, Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Derek Carr leading the charge. You got the running game. You got plenty of running backs, so they're going to be able to run the rock. The big question is, and, and, and as I'm paying attention to this pro football focus article that Ari sent me, it's all about the offensive line, right? And we've talked about the offensive line Till we're blue in the face. We talked about who are going to be the starting five. I know there's articles out almost each and every day about who is anticipated to be the starting five. I don't know who they're going to be. I've said it many times. I know Colton Miller is going to be the left tackle. Outside of that, I don't think any of us really knows. Now, we, I mean, there's a good educated guess. Fine. But I don't think anyone has an absolute idea of who they think the starting five is going to be for the Raiders offensive line. And this piece in Pro Football Focus it ranks these uh, offensive lines in tiers. And it's funny, we're going to talk about tiers multiple times today. We're going to talk about quarterbacks as well, but we'll do that around 4 o'clock. But this one is about the offensive line and the tiers. Tier 1 means that your offensive line has a minor or no weaknesses. And you scroll down to Tier 2. Doing this in real time, by the way. Tier 2. Oh, I just skipped Tier 2. Tier 3, high-end potential. <laughs> Somehow I skipped Tier 2. I got Tier 1. But I didn't get tier two. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Tier two, high floor. So basically what it means by that is there's a there's a opportunity for them to be really good. They look like they could be really good. You know, they have the high floor. The ceiling might not be that great, but that's that's tier two, high floor. Tier three, as I mentioned before, high end potential. 
tier four, at least one good tackle. And you keep scrolling down. Tier five is just uninspiring. Just means the offensive line is just trash. It's just uninspiring. Tier six, problematic. And that's it. So there's six tiers to the offensive line, according to Pro Football Focus. They have them ranked one through 32. The Raiders come in in tier six. Problematic. They're ranked 29th out of 32. The only, only offensive lines that are worse, according to Pro Football Focus, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Chicago Bears, and the Seattle Seahawks. Well, when they look at number 29, the, the Raiders, they have projected starting lineup. Left tackle, they have Colton Miller. That's, that's no doubt about it. Left guard, they have Denzel Good. At the center position, they have Andre James. At right guard, they have Dylan Parham. And at right tackle, they have Alex Leatherwood. And the write-up is, real small little summary of it, the Raiders can easily outplay this ranking, but it all comes down to Alex Leatherwood's development. The 2021 first-rounder finished as the second-lowest-graded starting guard last season. He's not a guard, though, and should have always been the Raiders' right tackle. He'll most likely get that shot this year and third-rounder with third-rounder Dylan Parham now in the fold. So according to Pro Football Focus in this piece, and I've reached out to the person who actually did this article, and hopefully we'll get them on the show tomorrow. He's saying that Alex Leatherwood is not a guard. I've said many times that I think he's the right guard, right? I think that would be his best position. I just don't think that the right tackle position is, is, is right for him. But as we've seen from OTAs and as we've seen from mandatory minicamp, they had him working out at that right tackle position. Now, the last day of mandatory minicamp, they, he was switching in and out with Brandon Parker, and I'll say if it comes down to those two, Brandon Parker or Alex Leatherwood, that could, be a, that could be an issue, right? That's why I keep saying that I think that they should bring in a veteran to at least have him compete. And now if he beats out Brandon Parker and beats out another veteran, then to me it's like, okay, then they feel really confident about it. But if, if, it's not, if the competition's not that large, then I think that you know, they just it's like either or. Okay, well, which one do we want to do? And I could be totally wrong. Again, they have Colton Miller at the left tackle position. Denzel Good coming back off of ACL as the left guard. Center Andre James. Right guard Dylan Parham, the third-round rookie, third-round pick out of Memphis. And then Alex Leatherwood. That's their starting five. So, my question to you, and I want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword r Can the Raiders make a legit run if their offensive line is ranked near the bottom of the league? And I'll say this, before we open up the phone lines and before we hear from you, Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times a year ago. 51, a franchise record. Derek Carr got sacked 40 times. That's a lot. You don't want your quarterback getting hit 40 times. Well, you don't want him getting sacked. You don't want him getting hit 40 times, but he got sacked 40 times. Joe Burrow got sacked 51 times, which was a franchise record for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they ended up in the Super Bowl. So... Not saying that just because the offensive line is problematic, like they're saying here in Pro Football Focus, doesn't mean that they can't win games. Obviously, they can. You can scheme things up. You can get the ball in your hands quickly. You could, I mean, there's a lot of things you could do. Hell, Joe Burrow didn't even get the ball out of his hand quickly. How many times did he stretch the field? How many times did he stretch the field? And he still got drilled. But you don't want him to be putting himself in harm's way. I mean, Joe Burrow, he can't take 51 sacks for the next two, three seasons. He'll end up like Andrew Luck. And we all saw what happened with Andrew Luck. He now looks like skinny Andrew, who's out there doing construction. So if they are hovering around that bottom tier 
of the of the league, do you think that they could still make a run knowing all the weapons that they have offensively and expecting the defense to be at least on par with what it was last year? And they were, what, 25th ranked last year? So on par with that. So Raider Nation, as I mentioned, want to hear from you. Can the Raiders make a legit run if their offensive line is near the bottom of the league? 702-365-9200. Let's start things off with Gangsta Gangsta. What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show, my man. What's happening? What's happening? I'm like, yeah, they could, you know, technically make a run, but I don't believe that the line is going to be that bad. You know what I'm saying? I okay. think that the narrative that the media is trying to. Did we lose you? Did we lose the oh, There he goes. There he is. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to downplay the position in other parts of our team due to the fact they know our offense is so good. So I noticed that the narrative they try to put down our line, our defense, and all these other parts, but we should just use that as motivation, especially the offensive line. Use this as bullet board material. You know what I'm saying? Get better every day thinking with the you know, have have this on your mind. Use this as a as a motivation piece, you know what I'm saying, as a personal chip on your shoulder to get better. You know what I mean? I think we can make a run deep. You know how I feel. You know what I'm saying? The only game I'm really worried about is that Tennessee game and um, because that's on the road and it's against Tennessee and that first Kansas City game. You know what I'm saying? If we can win those, then we'll be gravy. You know what I mean? But did you see that Berlanga fight? I think Berlanga fought, lost that fight, actually. Oh, yeah, he did. He, de- he definitely lost that fight. I could I could make an argument that he lost probably the last three fights he's been. Mm-hmm. For yeah. real. You know what I'm I want to see what DeMond thought, but he's not here. And also, one more thing. As far as the defensive line, who do you think, besides um, the obvious, Crosby and um, Jones, who you, who you think is going to going to be stand out on the defensive line this year if you had to pick one person? Oh, that's a good question. Thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. Um, I'll say it's got to be someone on the interior part of the defensive line, right? They brought in a lot of guys. Uh, I know Bilal Nichols has an opportunity to be a guy. They brought him in on a couple years deal. I still think Jonathan Hankins has an opportunity to be special. You know what I mean? And and he's not a guy that's flashy, but I think he's a, he has an opportunity to still do some good things. You know, I think he has an opportunity to help stop the run and really help free up Max Crosby and Chandler Jones a little bit. Now, I will say, side note, if they were to go and make the move and go bring in Ndamukong Sue, then that would be my guess, <laughs> right? I would say that Sue would be the guy that's going to be the dude, right? He's going to be the guy that uh, is providing a big push from the interior. But I think that that's what you're looking for. When it comes to the defensive line, I think you're looking for someone to compliment Chandler Jones and Max Crosby from the interior. I know they got a lot of guys. I mean, they've got like seven guys that they have right now uh, in that interior. They're trying to find the pieces that fit. So they're going to have a a nice little rotation. But I I do. I would look at Nichols. I think everyone's really high on Nichols. And then also look at Jonathan Hankins. And then I would say other if they end up bringing in other. And I thought that, you know, Sue was kind of more of a a luxury. And they really didn't need him. But as I kind of went through it and, and talked to more people and, and they kind of explained the reasons why they think that he would be a huge upgrade, it just started to make a whole lot of sense. So, I mean, that's, that's why I'm, I'm on board with that. If, if they were to go and make that kind of move and make that kind of signing, I don't know how much it would cost. Don't, uh, it's, you know, it's not really my business, but it's just it would, be, it would be nice if they were to be able to get someone like that that has, a, that has a presence in the middle that you know not only can he stop the run, not only could he bring some nastiness to that defensive line, but he could also get after the quarterback. I mean, that, that's something that in this division you're going to have to have. You're going to have to be able to get to the quarterback, not just pressures, but you're going to have to affect him by hitting him, hitting him often, knocking him down, sacking him, strip sacking him, and it doesn't matter who it is. Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. The key has got to be stopping them from being able to step up in the pocket. 
If they can step up in the pocket and be comfortable, it's going to be a long day. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just simple as that. When quarterbacks step up in the pocket and have an opportunity to do that, a lot of times it doesn't matter really what corner is out there. They're going to get beat. So that's, how I, that's what I'd look at if I was looking at the defensive tackles and uh, that defensive line. I'd look for a guy to step up in the middle right there. But uh, let's go back to our, uh, you know, turn our attention back to the offensive line. I'm just really intrigued by that. And we have Ed Grady coming up at, uh, at 2.30. We'll definitely ask him, you know, what he thinks. That's got to be, you know, the biggest concern for anyone is, is, is the offensive line because you, I think you see all the potential that they have. But as I mentioned, I, I kind of look and look at Cincinnati, and again, I don't want, I don't want it to, to be a habit where, you know, hey, the Raiders, that's okay. Their offensive line could be really suspect. They could find a way to work around it or scheme around it. You don't, I mean, you just you don't want to make a habit of that. You just don't. But as I'm saying, there's ways to deal with a lack of a solid offensive line. So that's got to be that's got to be something that is going to be paid attention to. And and every time we talk to either Ed or Vinny or Vic or whoever, Tashawn who's out there. I mean Paul. It doesn't matter whoever's out there covering the Raiders during minicamp, OTAs, whatever the case may be. Everyone says what they're paying attention to is the offensive line. Where's Alex Leatherwood lining up? You know, we're, I'm I'm interested in seeing where Denzel Good ends up playing. He's coming back from ACL tear, but when he was out there the year before last. I mean, this dude played every position on the under the sun just about, right? If you needed him to play right guard, he played right guard. If you needed him to play left guard, he played left guard. If you needed to kick outside and play left tackle, he played left tackle. And for the most part, in my opinion, and you can correct me if if I'm wrong, I thought Denzel Good did a damn good job. You know, I'm not, not trying to be cute or anything because his last name is Good, but he did a damn good job. So if he can come back healthy, I think he's such a valuable piece because you could almost put him anywhere. Wherever you see that that hole – that issue, you can almost put him just about anywhere. And I'm not telling him to go play center, but you also have Andre James. You have a competition where you have Dylan Parham. I'm interested to see where they put Dylan Parham, how he can, how he fix, fits in the mix. I saw somebody project their top five offensive linemen, and Dylan Parham was nowhere there. And I was like, they didn't draft him in the third round for, for him to sit on the bench. They drafted him for a reason. That's their first draft pick in their, under, under their watch. You know what I mean? That's the Raiders' first draft pick under the Dave Ziegler watch. And Champ Kelly watch. And Josh McDaniels watch. You think that dude's not playing? Come on. Look, I mean, look at John Gruden's first pick, Colton Miller. Ended up being probably John Gruden's best pick, you know? I mean, to be honest, I mean, that was a really good pick, really solid pick. Now, obviously, they've had some as of late that we've, uh, you know, talked about in great length, great detail. The young guys, the Crosbys, the Renfros, the Hobbs, the Merrigs, potentially the Diablos. I mean, you know, guys like that, Kuntz. Guys like that that you, I mean, there's some guys that are already established, and then there's guys that you think have an opportunity. So when I say, you know, Hobbs, Merrick, Kuntz, Diablo, and, and, and even Gillespie, didn't say anything from Gillespie last year, those guys we think have opportunities. They have to obviously step up, like what Nate Hobbs did his rookie year, like what Trayvon Merrick did his, his rookie year. Now I'm waiting really to see what they do in year two. Year two will really define who those guys are going to be. But... This is I found this pretty pretty interesting, man. Looking at this, again, the only teams that they have ranked worse than the Raiders' offensive line are the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at thirty, the Bears at thirty one, and the Seahawks at thirty two. Some of the teams that are really good, really good, like the Philadelphia Eagles, they have them as tier one. The Browns, 
The Lions are even up there. How about that? The Lions, as bad as a team as they are, they're building a team the way you're supposed to build it, right, from the inside out. They're building up the Lions, and I'm sure by the time they feel comfortable with their line, their offensive line and defensive line, they'll go get a new quarterback, <laughs> right? I mean, most likely that's probably what's going to happen. Jared Goff will probably never get to benefit from the team starting to be built up, but Detroit, I mean, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Tampa Bay, you know, they have a really good offensive line. They got Tom Brady behind them. They're going to have a really good offensive line. They got to protect him. Tier two, teams that have a high floor, the Packers, the Cowboys. The Cowboys have always prided themselves in a really strong offensive line. The Patriots, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Colts, the Rams, the Chargers. High-end potential, tier three, the Jets, Niners, Washington, Denver, Baltimore. Tier four, at least one good tackle. That's the Giants, the Vikings, the Bills, the Saints, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Panthers. And I'll say this. You could put the Raiders in that category, too. One good tackle because you know Colton Miller's solid. So that's one thing. They could. I know they're a tier six right now, according to Pro Football Focus. I could see them being tier four because they do have at least one good tackle. And if, if Pro Football Focus says that Colton Miller is not a good tackle, they're tripping. <laughs> that, is, that, is, uh, that is false. So you can, you can think about that as well and say, okay, you, you could slide the Raiders offensive line in tier four and say, hey, at least they do have one good tackle that you're, you believe in. Because I believe Colton Miller is one of the better left tackles in the league. I have no problem with putting them in tier four. Tier five. What was that again? Uninspiring. Cardinals, Jaguars, Titans, Falcons. Think about that. The Titans are an uninspiring offensive line. They got Derrick Henry back there, right? They got Derrick Henry. Think about how much work he's doing. Think how Josh Jacobs tried to run when the offensive line for the Raiders last season wasn't giving him an inch. Think how difficult it was. Derrick Henry is able to run behind a really bad offensive line there in Tennessee. And then, of course, tier six is problematic. Again, want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. That is the Raider Nation listener line, Sam and Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Can the Raiders make a legit run if their offensive line is near the bottom of the league in 2022? Let us know about it. Ed Grady from, the, from ESPN Las Vegas and the Review Journal is coming up next. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Mike, he's signing them. And boy, is I'm happy, man, with that Packer guy. Devontae, that's the one. Yeah. Mike, this boy is a touchdown savage. Yeah. Man, he bends you in routes are so smooth. He's good, yeah. And Mike, Mike, he's smart. He's smart. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy, Q. My man Vegas Pete hit us up on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Keyword R&R said, with the skill players we have, the O-line as a unit will gel we're going to use a lot of 12 personnel, so as a tight end next to Parker or Wood will help out a lot. Marcus Allen didn't have anything special besides Wiz, and that offense roared. Just cut down the penalties. Those were killers last, last year, especially holding. 
Joining us now on the phone lines from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review Journal is our guy Ed Graney. And Ed, we appreciate your time as always, my man. And we've been talking about the offensive line. Pro Football Focus put out a piece and uh, basically it ranked the Raiders at 29th as far as their offensive line and uh, said problematic. That's what they called them. And uh, you just heard the text right there from Vegas Pete. He thinks that with the offensive weapons, that the offensive line could gel similar to what happened in Cincinnati with uh, Joe Burrow and them as he got sacked 51 times and they still made it to the Super Bowl. Do you share that optimism that Vegas Pete shares? Pete uh, Pete should be their PR guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy for Pete. Uh, no, I mean, maybe, maybe Pete's right. I'll tell you what, uh, 29 is better than 32, Q. So, right. Uh, maybe, maybe pro football focus, uh, despite their uh, dire uh, outlook, is seeing a little something in um, some improvement. We've talked a lot about this on, on our show in the morning, and um, we had Vic Tafer, the athletic, on, on today. And, you know, he, he made a good point in that people are saying, oh, they didn't bring back anyone new, but between Parker and Good, you know, guys who could have walked, they brought them back, and they drafted. Uh, obviously, we know they spent a draft pick um, on Dylan Parham. Mm-hmm. So maybe they've done what they, in their mind, is done enough to bring people back and to coach them up. And they, I'm sure they feel really confident in their coaches, as they should. They're brand new. They're, they're a new staff here in Vegas, and I'm sure they, you know, Josh McDaniels feels confident in who he hired. But, um, you know, look, I'm not going to say Pete's wrong. We saw it happen in another place, um, and, and it worked out pretty well for them. So um, it, it is funny, though, that this is the one, you know, position that we keep talking about you almost can't wait to see them play. Right. Um, it's been such an off season of the offensive line, the offensive line over and over and over. Um, heck, I just want to see the Hall of Fame game and see who lines up to begin. Right. I agree. I agree. That's coming up sooner rather than later. As a matter of fact, uh, definitely looking forward to that being in Canton, Ohio. And the way that they have this listed, Colton Miller left tackle. We know that. Denzel Good left guard. Andre James at center. Dylan Parham, as you mentioned, the rookie at right guard. And Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. And in this piece, he said, Alex Leatherwood is not a guard. He is and should be the right tackle. Do you think that he should be the right tackle, or do you think that they should at least uh, you know, think about putting him in at guard? Well, I think, you, I think you drafted him as a tackle. It didn't work out. It's been a year. You and I have talked about the difference between first and second years for offensive linemen, so I think you start him at tackle and see what you have. I, I wouldn't give up on him yet. It's way too early in the guy's career to give up on him. Um, you and I saw him talk. Uh, we talked about this very self-effacing. He, he, you know, he read everything that was written about him. He knew he needed to improve. Um, he knew he knew he'd be in, to be in better shape. So maybe over the course of the year, his level of professionalism has enhanced to where you know, he is going to be a lot better. But I would start him at right tackle to see. That's what he was drafted as. That's what the former um, regime thought he was. And you know, I, that's where I would start him. And then, you know, again, if it doesn't work out, you might have to move him. But I wouldn't give up on him just yet. I think it's way too early in his career to say, okay, you're not a tackle anymore. Our guest is Ed Grady from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review-Journal here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920 on Friday. Hunter Renfro, he signed his contract extension, just a couple-year contract extension, but $21 million guaranteed, which is a lot of money for a fifth-round pick who's never seen a big-time contract. So Hunter Renfro gets paid. We know Derek Carr got taken care of, and we know that uh, Devontae Adams is in the mix. Darren Waller, is, is he up now? Are they going to give him a one, two-year deal to kind of continue with this little three-year window theme that they have going? Or, or what do you think ne- up next for Darren Waller? He's the one guy, and uh, the answer is I don't know. He's got two years left without guaranteed. Um, I think I, I heard a point last week is do you guarantee the last two years and maybe add one year onto it? Because right now nothing's guaranteed to him. Would that be enough to 
kind of hold him over. I think his agent wants a big money payday. I don't know if that's out there right now, Q. Um, you do make a great point in that everything they've done signifies a two- to three-year window mm-hmm. uh, to try to win it all. Um, but the one guy, it doesn't appear we know really know what they think of is Darren Waller. You know, are they of the like that he's going to continue this trajectory? Are they of the like that he's going to be 30 years old, he's had some injuries, and that he won't, you know, his numbers will go down because of those two factors? I don't know, but I'd at least try to guarantee the money he has left. Um, I don't think he would be happy with that only. I know his agents wouldn't be happy with that. But the longer it goes, I, I don't I don't think we're put it this way, I don't think we're at a press conference next week. I could be proven wrong, but I don't think we're at a press conference next week with Darren Wallen having a deal. Right. No, I, I don't either. I, I think that something may be, you know, brewing at some point. I don't think it's it's gonna happen anytime soon, but uh, I do expect something to happen if the, if it's gonna happen with them before training camp. I think that that just makes a lot of sense. Would you would you yeah. expect that as well? Yeah, there's no reason to go into the season with it if you think you're going to extend them. Um, what would be the point of that? Right. Uh, you know, you know what the mo- you know the money you have uh, available. You know uh, about what you want to pay him and what he wants to be paid. You kind of maybe come to a middle ground on it. Maybe don't. Maybe you force his hand um, if you really feel like your number's the right number. Um, but you're exactly right. There's there's be no sense in, in flirting with either him holding out or him being you know. Um, you know, not the happiest camper. If you're going to get it done, get it done before training camp and move on. Now, if you don't, that's going to be the interesting play. If you don't get anything done and you're just not, you're just going to say, hey, we're going to wait and see, then we're going to wait and see how, you know, how the agents respond to that in Rock Nation and all those guys, how they would respond to them saying, you know what, we're just not ready to do it yet. Because you, you talked about it a lot about the fines they now incur, yep. and those can't be forgiven. So my guess would be he would still show up but do you want an unhappy camper? So, you know, between the offensive line and Darren Waller, there are two pretty fascinating storylines that I think are going to play out. One before camp, like you said, with Waller, and then one when they get into games of what they're going to do with this offensive line. Let me ask you this, because it's been brought to my attention multiple times. We know Darren Waller is going on 30, and, and that's always that, that age in the NFL where it's like, oh, no, he's 30. You know, it's like the kryptonite. Right. Like, they try to run from guys that are 30. But he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear on his body because he didn't play a lot early in his career uh, due to off-the-field issues. But obviously he was banged up a, a little bit towards the end of the season last year. Do you think that that plays any kind of factor? In terms of them not wanting to extend him, right? Like maybe they um, say, maybe they say that yeah, he's thirty, but he's really a young thirty. Yeah, and that might have a lot to do with it. Here's the thing: Darren Waller could be great this year and have no injury problems, and still see his production go down because of a guy named Devontae Adams. <laughs> right. So you know that's the other thing. People are saying, well, his production is going to go down, and it might go down, but it might not go down because he's thirty, and it might not go down because he's nicked up a little. It might go down because of who's on the outside now, and then you just extended a guy who at that position in the New England offense, let's see how Hunter Renfro does, because I think he could have a great year, you know, given what other people in that offense have done in that spot. So Darren Waller might come out, and we might look at his numbers at the end of the day and say, boy, he took a step back, and that wouldn't even be true. Now, you know, you'd have to, to be fair to him, you'd have to look at what the other two guys did. And if they have career years and do great, maybe Waller, you know, just doesn't have those numbers, but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve an extension. That doesn't mean they shouldn't move forward with him. So that's going to be fascinating, too. I don't I don't think his you know, lack of production should necessarily be tied to his age, but you just said it best. Guys turn 30 and they start getting scared. Um, if your name's not Brady, um, you know, guys, guys turn that, they turn that, the corner at 30, and for some reason, whether it's a cliche or not, the perception is, oh, he's on the downturn. And maybe he is. I, I have no idea. We're going to have to see him play this year. But um, you know, if he stays healthy and he turns 30 but he still produces – 
maybe then the deal comes. I just, I, if you're going to extend him, I'm with you, and I would do it before this training camp. If you made that decision, I don't know if you go in and tell him you have to go one more year. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the Review Journal as well, here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You know, it's funny talking about the 30-year-old. I mean, they're talking about that with Devontae Adams. Well, he's not going to be the same wide receiver because he's right. 30. You know, and right. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. I think Devontae Adams is going to be phenomenal. But, again, it's that 30-year-old number. As soon as you get to yep. that age, it's like, oh, he's going to be a terrible player now, which, again, I don't believe. Yeah. You mentioned Hunter Renfro. Let me ask you about him. What do you expect from him this year? Because I expect him to have a pretty stinking good year uh, with Devontae Adams, Darren Waller. I think that he's just going to have so many opportunities. But he just signed the contract extension. What do you expect from him? I think he could have a great year. Listen, um, and I just I just mentioned it. I, the, the the proof is there for that spot in that offense, and he is a terrific young player. And I, and there's no question. I think in both of our minds, Hunter Renfro is not going to take 21 million dollars guaranteed and try to take a step back. Right. Um, I, I think he's in for a huge year in, in in the position he plays and what McDaniel's has been able to do with that spot in, in his past places um, with a lot of really good players. Um, you know, it's interesting. We talked about this on the show. And let me ask you this. The two years was interesting in that, was it Hunter Renfro who wanted two so then he could maybe trust and bet on himself for a bigger one, or was it the team? Now, I'm more apt to say maybe the team Mm -hmm. because you'd think agents and the player want as much as they can get right now. Um, But I thought the two years, the two-year extension was pretty interesting, and I thought it was more the team who would want that. I I know Hunter Renfro would bet on himself and probably think, hey, if I have two more great years, look what else I can get. But usually in that game, it's such a hard, violent game Mm -hmm. that usually you want as much as you can get right up front. Right. No, I agree. And I think it was definitely the team that wanted the two-year extension. And again, I I talked about it in great length on Friday where I feel like they're just lining themselves up. I mean, they are creating basically a three-year window of we're going to get it done, and they have the belief that they can get it done in these next three years. You know, yeah. and, and so I feel like when you look at Adam's deal, you look at Carr's deal, you look at where Renfro's deal is now, where it lines up, and then even Waller. I mean, he's got two years, like you said, on his deal left. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they give him a one-year deal that's like maybe fully guaranteed, you know, an, an extra year or something. I don't know. I just feel like that they're going to add maybe one more year to try to keep that core together for the next three years. I feel like that that is the window right there, and that's why they gave Renfro that deal. Yeah, I mean, everything they're doing says that they believe within three years, whether it's Carr, Devontae, you know, Max is already uh, Colton as a long-term deal. The, the, and, and, and Tyler's made this point on the show, and maybe it's right. You've done a lot this year. You can't do mm-hmm. everything at once. I mean, right. It's impossible with the cap ending. Maybe they're holding their breath on the offensive line, and they think they can coach him up, and they think Alex Leatherwood can be a better player and they fix it next offseason. But you're, you're right in the sense that everything they've done points to a two- to three-year window that they believe they can win it all or at least compete for a Super Bowl. And, um, boy, i tell you what, if they, if they do that, uh, I think people wouldn't mind here in Vegas if it was next year because next year the Super Bowl's here. Right, exactly. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine how crazy the city would be if the Raiders were to host the Super Bowl and they'd yeah. be in the Super Bowl next season? That would be bananas. <laughs> I mean, I've been enough Super Bowls, Q, where your your media parking and my media parking would be in Henderson. <laughs> right, so exactly. We would, taking, we would be taking buses. You've been to the Super Bowl as well a lot of times, so you know that the media parking would be a far away. Not that anyone cares about the media. <laughs> right. At all. At all. We know that. Speaking of, I just saw this note. I don't know if you saw this from Tashawn Reed. It said the Raiders are canceling practice tomorrow. Yeah, I thought the last OTA, I, I, thought, I had a feeling they were going to do that in the last OTA. Um 
I, you know, they, they, you were there the other day. They brought us inside yep. out of the heat and they cut it short. So, um, not surprised. Doesn't help us. I was hoping for some availability, man. Right. Me too. <laughs> do they not know that we have jobs to do and we need to talk to people? Exactly. Exactly. We got things we have to do around here. Yeah, like I you know. said, they're not worried about the media. <laughs> no, they're not. No, at all. I, I can say this without without question on the on the OTAs and the mini camps we were at. They are not afraid. They are not caring about the media. That that is not their number one concern. And by the way, it shouldn't be. Winning football games and getting to the playoffs should be his number one concern. Facts. Those are one hundred percent facts, right there. Well, Ed, we'll get you out on this. I wanted to ask you about the running back room, the running back position. Uh, we all know that it's going to be a running back by committee, so Josh Jacobs won't get the majority of the carries that we're used to getting. But how do you think that they kind of break up the the running back room this year? I mean, I think Josh. I still think Josh gets the most carries, and I would give him the most carries to start as well until I see what Zamir White has and the, the health of the other guys. It's a, it's a busy room. Um, you know, we didn't see him last week, um, although they've done that in the past with him. They've held him out of off-season workouts, you know, because of his body and mm-hmm. not wanting him to break down. I would have preferred to see him last week just because it's a first-year first staff. Um, but I think he hit it on the head. I think it's be running back committee, by committee. I think Josh gets the first look. And I'm still going to say I'll still do a red-hot alert that at the end of the year, Josh Jacobs still has the most carries. Okay. All right. There you go. And, and yeah, I, I can see that as well. I just I don't think it's going to be the number that we're used to. Pass, right. No, exactly. No. Exactly. Well, great stuff, Ed, as always, my man. We appreciate you. I won't see you at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance no. Center tomorrow. We don't have that tomorrow. What do you have coming out that I need to be on the lookout for? Um, well, I was going to write about the Raiders, but I guess not. So uh, maybe I'll uh, visit the Aces this week. They're playing out of their minds as well. Yeah, they are. Now I can call Tyler and say I'll see him in the morning. There you go, and he'll be thrilled about that. We'll see if he's actually in the building, but we'll see about that. So great stuff, Ed. We appreciate you, brother. Thanks a lot, Hugh. Take care. All right, there he goes. That's our guy, Ed Graney, ESPN Las Vegas. Also, the Las Vegas Review Journal on Twitter, at Ed Graney. Check him out. He does fantastic work for both. And, yeah, there you go. You heard it live on, uh, on the air. OTAs is officially a wrap. The offseason is officially a wrap. Uh, the Raiders are done deal records until training camp starts, and I believe that date is July 19th. So get the clock t- ticking because that's what it is. Right now, I'm going to look for caller number 9, 702-365-9200. I got a pair of tickets to go see three ice hockey at the Orleans. You're saying, what is that? Six teams, six skaters, one goalie, and a Hall of Fame coach on each team. You can get more information at 3ice.com. That's 3ice.com. But if you want to go check out this event, it is going on. I got a pair of tickets for you to go see them on the 18th. Again, 702-365-9200. Call number 9 is what I'm looking for here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Well, I feel like I'm in uniform right now, you know. It's exciting. Well, first of all, uh, thank you so much for that introduction. Uh, Usually I get introduced as Sierra's husband. So uh, that was cool. And uh, let me start by answering the question that is on so many of your minds. Yes, she is here too. She's back over there. (laughs) Yeah, level up, level up. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Always got to have a little shot towards Sierra and Russell Wilson. It's always fun. Sierra's out there doing her thing. Saw a video or a little clip of a video on Twitter of Sierra. I didn't even know she was still doing music, to be 100% honest. Like, I just thought she was just Russell Wilson's wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? At this point, and Future's mom. And not 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 Future, that Future, but their baby's name, Future, that they, have, I guess, changed the name. And they changed the name. I think they changed the name because that was an all bad idea to begin with. Like, you can't, and I've said this many times, like, you can't, you can't name your kid after your stage name. 
Like, Ice Cube can't name his son, like, Ice Cube. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't. I mean, it's like me naming Little Q, like, your boy Q. Hey, hey, your boy Q. <laughs> like, like, I couldn't do that, right? That's just, that's not okay. Anyway, so, I, I like that. Little Russell Wilson, Sierra, right there. Shout out to my guy, Timothy. Timothy got hooked up with a pair of tickets to three ice hockey. It's a heck of an event. It's a, it's a different style idea. That's happening at the Orleans, and he got p- hooked up with a pair of tickets. So we definitely appreciate that. Appreciate Ed Graney for joining us in the last segment. We talked offensive line. We talked about a lot of different subjects when it came to the silver and black. Talked Darren Waller, uh, Hunter Renfro, what his expectations for him are. But really intrigued by this offensive line. Really intrigued by what Pro Football Focus had to say. And uh, just confirmed that we'll get the, the author of that piece on Pro Football Focus. We'll have him on the show tomorrow at 2.30. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll have John McClain at 3 o'clock. But, uh, yeah, just interested. They have the Raiders ranked at 29th. And I just want to know, can the Raiders do like the Cincinnati Bengals did and have a below-average offensive line? If, in fact, they do. I'm not saying that they're going to. I'm just saying, I'm just relying, relaying the message to you of what's being said. You know, the, the, the national outlook of the Raiders' offensive line is that it's below average. It's really piss poor. You know, they have them at 29th out of 32. So that's, that's definitely not good. I'm not saying that that's what they're going to be by the end of training camp. And even the, in the pieces said, hey, the, the Raiders could work their way out of this, out of this spot. You know, they can, they, they can be a lot better than this. Just got to go out there and see it. But based off what they saw last year, that's why they have them ranked at 29th. So I, my, my question to you, and I definitely want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. My man Ari is standing by. You got to yell at him, though. He's having some uh, issues with the phone. I don't know. I, I, I got to teach Ari how to use the phone. On, uh, on, on Cofield and company, you guys don't use the phone too often. We try. We try. You try to use the phone or you try not to use the phone? We try to use it. Do that, you? Yes. <laughs> Do you? Because you look at that studio. phone like it's foreign. You're looking at that thing like, it is. what look is that? Thing. This is different. It's a different shape. It's, it's like more modern. He's I'm like, like I don't do understand it. what these <laughs> buttons are. I don't understand what I'm holding up to my ear. What is this thing you're calling a phone, Q? What is? Yeah. <laughs> I promise. I promise I'll get it. So, so Ari's going to so answer the phone. If you call him, he will, I promise. Again, they don't they don't take a whole lot of calls on Cofield and Company. And he's not used to grabbing the grabbing the phone line all the time, but he's gonna be used to today. We're gonna wear him out, Raider Nation. So hit us up. Let us know. If the Raiders could the Raiders still go on a run similar to what Cincinnati did a year ago, even if their offensive line is true to be, you know, less than less than average, you know, towards the bottom of the of the league in offensive line. Let us know about it. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Got another text from Vegas Pete. I definitely appreciate Vegas Pete chiming in. How, how am I making a PR? I'll just play the autumn wind when they have Lester Hayes speak that hype. Can I hire K- Kayla as my assistant? It's always fun to hear your name on the radio so much. So thanks, thanks guys. Uh, that's from Vegas Pete. So he was responding to Ed when Ed said he's, uh, he could be part of the PR team uh, to, promote, to promote the team. And now Ed, Ed was just giving you a bad time. Um, no, I mean, and I think early on in the season, if they, in fact, aren't that good, they're going to have to do exactly what Vegas Pete said. They're just going to have to scheme it up and, and, and with their, their personnel that they have, the offensive weapons that they have, just find a way to scheme it up and, and not make it a weakness. You know, sometimes that's what it is. Sometimes you don't have all the answers. Sometimes you don't have all the pieces you need, but you still got to work with what you got, right? So if, if it's taking a while for them to gel, like Vegas Pete says, they've got to be able to use the weapons that they have. And they've got to be able to use it to the best of their ability. So uh, I could definitely appreciate where you're coming from, and it makes a whole lot of sense. But like I said, I definitely want to hear from uh, others as well. You can always tweet at us uh, as well, at your boy Q254 and R&R 
920 AM is Radio Nation Radio, 920's Twitter account. 257 is the time. We'll take your calls and texts, and we'll get to cover three. All coming up next as we kick off hour number two of the show. This is Radio Nation Radio, 920.